Okay, how many of you actually like to go to the dentist? Let me see your hands. And if you raise your hand, I'm just going to say right now, I do not believe you, all right? <laughs> you know, you got to feel bad for dentists, don't you? Because there are just so Lim they just have so many limited options in terms of making it a pleasant experience for you. Like, like what are they to do when you're leaving their office? They can't give you candy, you know, to make it a better experience. Or, you know, you feel bad for the hygienist too, because if she tries to be friendly and carry on a conversation with you, you can't do it, right? I mean, she's always got something in your mouth or sometimes even her hands in your mouth. You know, she says, how was your weekend? And you go, I had a great weekend. How are you? I mean, you just, you just can't carry on a conversation. So it, uh, it makes it tough. And think about needles and noises and Novocaine, right? And the anxiety associated with the anticipation of pain. Like we said, hands in your mouth, really? I mean, where else would we let people put their hands in our mouth? Not too long ago, I heard words from a dentist that I had never heard before. He said, I think you need a root canal. Listen to the reaction in here. Isn't that great or what? Now, I never had a root canal, so I didn't know what it was like, but I did what everybody does in that situation. My, um, I thought was, my thought was, uh, eh, it'll go away. You know, when I would bite down on stuff, I could feel this pain in one tooth. And I didn't go, it didn't, right? It never does, does it? So I got it checked out, and sure enough, I needed a root canal. Good news, it wasn't that big a deal. You know, I'd heard all these horror stories from people, so went in a little bit anxious. But, and maybe it's just my experience, maybe yours is different, but um, it, it wasn't that bad. Uh, and actually, my tooth is fine now. I feel better. There's no pain at all in that tooth. So it was a positive experience for me. At least it turned out that way. And um, I learned something from that experience. Oftentimes, we have to get out of our comfort zones in order to get better. But here's the problem. We don't like to get out of our comfort zones, do we? We gravitate towards comfort. We like to stay comfortable. We just don't like to be stretched like that. You know, take, for example, take your marriage. Suppose you're struggling in your marriage. Suppose your marriage is even in trouble. You don't want to have to make that call or reach out to someone to get help or to contact a counselor or to go on a retreat or go to a conference. That would be out of our comfort zone. Maybe you're in a job that you don't like or a career that's headed the wrong direction and you've been thinking about this for over a year but you just can't take that next step because you don't know what the future holds. And it would be scary to try to reach out and find a new job and everything that goes along with that and all the what-ifs go through your mind. Maybe it's a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. And you've come to realize that it controls you more than you control it. But to get out of your comfort zone and go to celebrate recovery... That just seems hard for you to do. Maybe it's a decision that you need to make, and you know it's the right decision to make, but you also know if you make that decision, it's going to upset some people, or it's going to complicate a relationship or some relationships. It may even cost you a relationship, so you don't want to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's with your finances. You know you've made some bad decisions. You know you're headed the wrong way with your finances. And if you don't make some changes soon, things are going to be at a place where you don't know what you're going to do.
But to make those changes means hard decisions, and it means a change in lifestyle. And you're comfortable where you are. But here's what we know. In order to grow, we have to get out of our comfort zones. There is always benefit associated with risk. There is a payoff. And you know the same is true with God in our relationship with Him. God will ask us to take some steps that move us out of our comfort zone. And there's always benefit associated with that when we're willing to take those next steps. There's a payoff to that as well. You know, as Josh just mentioned a few minutes ago, in two weeks we're going to celebrate five years in this building. And like you said, we're going to party because we just want to celebrate what God has done. However, do you know that to get where we are today, not only in these five years, but if you even go back before that, we had to step out of our comfort zones at a time it was hard. At times it was really difficult. But God has a tendency to do that from time to time. Um, right now, we are concluding a series that we're calling All In. It's based on our three-year strategic plan that we call All In. Today will be the last week of that. And there are four initiatives to our three-year strategic plan, All In. They are, as you see up here on the banners, connect, serve, invite, and launch. Now, the first one is connect. And what we mean by that, we want to see you connect around here either through a life group, through giving financially, or by volunteering around here. And I'm thrilled to report that since we started all in, and again, we're in the middle of a three-year strategic plan, two years have gone by, we're actually just starting the third year, we've had over 300 connections take place during that time period. The next initiative is to invite. What we mean by that is you develop and as you build relationships with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, whoever they are, and you have the opportunity then over time, you can invite them to something here at the Ridge. And you know, we even plan our Sunday morning services with your friends in mind. And you, do you know that we've had hundreds of communication cards filled out since we've started all in and our attendances are on the upswing. So that's a great thing too. And then finally, we'll serve that Third initiative, serve actually means where we go beyond the walls of the ridge and we reach out into our community and even beyond our community to serve our community. And our goal was 15 hours of service during those three years, 5,000 a year. Do you know right now after two years, we're at 13,100 hours, so we're going to even move beyond that goal, which is exciting. You know, the year before we started All In, we had 2,600 hours of service like that. So we've more than tripled that in the first two years of All In. So I just want to say thank you. You know, Ridgers are whatever it takes kind of people. And that is worth celebrating. Now, we have one other initiative that we're going to talk about today that is called Launch. And what we mean by that is this. We want to be able to be the same church in different locations. Why? Because we have people who come from surrounding towns and cities. And we want them to have the opportunity to invite their friends to a church that's designed uh, for people who don't go to church right within their own community. And our goal isn't to expand the ridge or you know, necessarily um, make a name for the ridge. Rather, our goal is to see the number of people who don't know of or know Jesus 
to decrease. And that's why we have this goal of launch. Our vision as a church is to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And hopefully if you've attended here very long, you know that by now. That is our battle cry, whatever it takes. That is who we are. And what we sense God saying at this point is this. Continue doing what you're doing, but I want you to think beyond yourselves. You know, God has a history of doing that. He has a history of doing that in the Bible. You can go throughout the Bible and see where he moved people out of their comfort zone, where he said, think beyond yourself. He has a history of doing that in this church. He may have a history of doing that in your life as well. Understand this. In order for it to be a God-sized vision, it will move you out of your comfort zone. In fact, that's a good way even in your own life to know, is this a God-sized vision? Because if it's not moving you out of your comfort zone, it's probably not a God-sized vision because that's the way he works. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to show our faith in him. Now, as I mentioned, throughout the Bible, there's a story after story of God moving people out of their comfort zone. Jesus did that all the time when he was on earth. Now, I want to show you one of those stories this morning. It's a story from Luke chapter 5. It's about Jesus and his disciples, four of those disciples to be exact. They were not yet disciples. And when we say disciples, we mean those 12 men who followed him around for three years and uh, were, were very close to him. The story I'm going to tell you is a fish story. Now, it may not be the kind of fish story you're thinking about. When we think of fish stories, usually what comes to our mind is someone who exaggerates, right? Because that's what a fish story is. So like if a fisherman tells you that he caught a five-pound bass, we automatically translate that, don't we? Well, it was three anyway, maybe four pounds, you know. Or if a fisherman says he caught a 16-inch bass, we think 14, maybe 15 inches, right? And we all know what this gesture is, right? When... That's a fish story. In other words, every time a fisherman tells a story about a fish he caught, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Fish stories. Uh, This summer, my wife and I were actually fishing, and uh, I heard her on the phone later that evening talking to one of our kids, and I heard her say these words, I caught the biggest fish. So I leaned down and I yelled, yeah, but I got the most By the way, it's true, she did catch the biggest fish. But why do we do that? (laughs) There's something about fishing, right? And they're fish stories. However, the fish story I want to tell you about this morning isn't about being exaggerated. This story is about something that happened that was miraculous. Now, like I said, it's about Jesus and what we're going to be, his disciples. We're going to look at four of those men in particular this morning. Um, There were two sets of brothers. There was... um, Simon, who later be called Peter, his name was Simon, but Jesus later on named him Peter. There was Simon and his brother Andrew, and then there was James and his brother John. They were by trade fishermen. That's really important to know. I'll probably repeat that a couple times because in the context of the story, you need to know that's their profession, and here's why. They were experts at doing what they did. Now, they were on the Sea of Galilee. We call it a sea, and sometimes when we think of a sea, we think of a huge body of water, almost like an ocean. And the Sea of Galilee is large, but it's more like a big lake. And this was a central area for Jesus' ministry. Jesus taught thousands of people at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus did some 
Incredible miracles at the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus walked on water. This is where Jesus calmed a storm. This is also where these guys, these four guys, these two sets of brothers, made their living. They fished the Sea of Galilee. And so we're going to pick up our story there. And remember, their occupation is that of fishermen. They had been out at night fishing and had come in the next morning from fishing. And you say, well, why were they fishing at night? Well, because fishermen figure that stuff out, right? They figure out when and how the best time to catch fish is. You know, we used to have a family lake property in Michigan, and I don't do much fishing, but all the fishing I did was almost all done there. Um, when we were on vacation in the summer, I, I enjoyed doing it, but I never would have considered myself a great fisherman. But one thing we figured out, because we went there almost every summer for years and years and years, was when the best time to catch fish was. And these guys figured that out. Fishing at night was the best time to catch fish. And so back to the story, um, here's what you need to understand. They had come in from fishing the night before. They had caught nothing. Zero zilch. Zero. Nothing. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you, because if you've been a fisherman, you may have experienced that. But they didn't fish just recreationally. If they didn't catch fish, they didn't eat. They didn't pay the bills. So let's pick up the story here. It's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. This is a pretty fascinating story, and uh, I'll begin reading it. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, remember we mentioned him, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Let me call a quick time out. Not, don't let that phrase get by you that Jesus said, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. I want you to think through this situation. You're one of these four guys, either Simon or Andrew or James and John. You're fishermen. You've been fishing all night. You're tired. You're frustrated because you've caught nothing. The nets, you have pretty well washed them. You're ready to put them away and go to bed. And in your mind, you're thinking, let's put this horrible night behind us. I mean, this is not a Canadian fishing trip, you know, where if you have a bad day, it's frustrating, but you still got to sit out on a beautiful lake, right? This is a we don't get paid if we don't catch fish kind of frustration. So you graciously, even though you're tired, allow Jesus to use your boat to teach the people. You're in the background still cleaning up your nets so you can go home and go to sleep. When he finishes, he wants these guys to go out into deeper water to catch fish. Now, let's note this too. Jesus was a carpenter, not a fisherman. He doesn't know how to fish. Now, what thoughts go through your mind if you are his future disciples? Apparently, he doesn't know that we've already been out all night. Apparently, he doesn't know that we've caught nothing. Apparently, he doesn't know that you don't catch fish in the daytime. 
Apparently, he doesn't know that you can't catch fish in deeper water. You catch them in shallower water. Jesus doesn't know these things. Everything Jesus is asking them to do is so far out of their comfort zones. In fact, it's the opposite of what fishermen did. And can I just add bluntly that to them, this sounded like a really dumb idea. It would be like you saying to someone, I have trouble getting to sleep at night. So they respond, here's what you need to do. Drink a 20-ounce bottle of Mountain Dew right before you go to bed. Turn all the lights on in the bedroom as bright as possible. Play loud music. And if you start to doze off, have someone shake you awake again. Your response at that point will be, what? That's how these guys felt. You know, I would have loved to have been there. There are times where I read these stories about Jesus and I think, if I could have just looked around, because we don't pick up on the nonverbal communication that takes place. I mean, what were Simon and Andrew and James and John doing at this point? Were they raising their eyebrows? Did they make eye contact, you know, with each other as if to say, does he have any idea what he's saying? Did they roll their eyes? Did Simon let out a sigh before he responds? Let's look at what Simon said. Let's look at how he responded here. He was the first one to speak, and I can just hear him sigh before he responds to Jesus' request to go out into deeper water. This is verse 5. He goes, Master, we've worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. But if you say so, don't let that phrase get by you. That's all Jesus is asking. This is way out of their comfort zones for all the reasons we already said. It made no sense. It was inconvenient. But Jesus wasn't asking them to make sense of it. He was asking them to obey. And because Jesus said it, Simon said they would do it. Now, here's the lesson that comes for us. And it's the lesson that Jesus wanted these four future disciples of his to learn. Here's what happens when you step out of your comfort zone and trust God. I'm going to read the rest of it. It's Luke 5, 6 through 11. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners into, in the other boat, and soon their boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Simon Peter realized something for the first time 
in his life. I'm sure he had seen Jesus around. He had just heard Jesus taught while he was cleaning up his nets. But here's what he realized. He was in the presence of God. So when we read verse 11, that they left everything and followed Jesus, it's because they realized that stepping out of their comfort zones meant that they could be part of something that was bigger than themselves. And we are there as a church. We are at a point where we can be part of something much bigger than ourselves. But we'll need to step out of our comfort zone to do it. Every time we have taken a significant step as a church, because we sense God was asking us to do that, we had to leave comfort behind. And yet it was worth it every single time because that's what God wanted us to do. We have seven church values. The first one reads like this. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, all-in risk-takers. And what that means is we refuse to insult God with small thinking and safe living because we serve a God who calls us to dream big and to live out of our comfort zone. In fact, if you want to check out all seven of our values, go to our website, theridge.org. And by the way, we plan to unveil a newly designed website for five, our five-year celebration coming up in a couple weeks. It, has, it looks great, too. But speaking of comfort zones, there has been more than one time in the history of our church where we had to take a deep breath and say, God, this is harder than we ever imagined, but because you say so, we'll do it. Every time we made that decision, we were able to look back, often with tears in our eyes, and say, look what God has done. And we sense God saying at this point, you are coming to a point in your church when it's time to launch. Yes, I know it's going to take you out of your comfort zone, but do it because I say so. When Jesus was still on earth, and right before he was about to return to heaven, after he had come back to life, I want you to listen to the words that he said to those guys, those disciples who were with him after his resurrection. It was an, it's time to launch statement that he made to them. Here's what he said in Acts 1.8. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, up throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, it helps if you have a little bit of geography of this part of the world to understand what Jesus is saying. So, let me show it to you like this. And right in the center of this piece of paper, I'm going to draw a dot. We're going to let that dot represent the city of Jerusalem. But more importantly, here's what that dot represents. That dot represents comfort zone for these guys, these followers of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I want to move you beyond your comfort zone, Jerusalem, and I want you to go to Judea. Judea was the surrounding area around Jerusalem. It would be like a state, in other words. We're in Columbus, kind of like Jerusalem. And he said, I want you to go beyond that, which would be like Indiana. Then he said, go to Samaria. And that was the surrounding region just north of Judea. Maybe we could say like Ohio or Michigan or Illinois or Kentucky, something like that. 
surrounding it. And then finally he says, go to the other parts of the world. In other words, move out of your comfort zone. And it was pretty clear what Jesus was telling them, wasn't it? He wanted to expand, in other words, expand their vision. And we've talked and we prayed about this as a staff. We prayed about this and talked about it as the board. And we sense this is what God is leading us to do. He's even slowed us down on our launch initiative some. The timing hasn't gone the way we'd originally planned. But we've been down that road so many times where God has slowed us down or changed something. His timing has always turned out better. What will it require for us to launch a new campus in a new community? Well, it'll require that we believe to our core in our vision. It'll require buy-in from Ridgers. It'll require finances. It'll require volunteers, planning, and strategy. You don't take these leaps of faith without doing planning and strategy as well. In short, though, it'll take a willingness for us to step out of our comfort zones to follow Jesus. What do I think about that? Well, humanly speaking, it makes me a little nervous because it's a God-sized vision. And I have what-ifs bouncing around in my head. But every time we've stepped out of our comfort zone in the past because of a God-sized vision, I was unsettled. But in my fear, I have complete trust in God. What does it mean to launch a new campus? Well, we would love to have another Ridge campus where People in that community who are connected with the Ridge can invite their friends who don't go to church. In other words, we're, we're one church, but in different locations. There would be, just like here, Sunday services, perhaps some video or live teaching. Um, there would be a live band. There would be a campus pastor. There would be children's programs. There would be life groups and so on. We don't have it all figured out yet. So we would just ask you to stay tuned. But we have always been a whatever-it-takes kind of church. And I could tell you story after story, which I'm going to do on September 10th, of how Ridgers were willing to do whatever it takes when God challenged us to move out of our comfort zone. We'll tell you about launch, this initiative, in the months to come as it unfolds. And like I said, we don't have all the details. We are just beginning to actively plan. This is something we won't even begin in the next year. But we really sense God saying, go out into deeper water. Can I ask you a personal question? What is your personal, but if you say so, what is the step you need to take in your life that will take you out of your comfort zone because you sense God wants you to take that step? Is it related to your job, to your marriage, to an addiction, to a relationship, to your finances, to a decision? Perhaps it's related to all in. Maybe you felt God nudging you to connect in some way by joining a group, supporting the church financially, to volunteer, to serve. Maybe with the invite initiative, you sense that God wants you to reach out to a neighbor, a coworker, or a friend and build a relationship with them. Maybe it's to begin serving with us into our community. It may look very different from one person to the next, but we each need to spend a minute 
this morning and reflect on what the if you say so is for us. Yes, it may take you out of your comfort zone, but when you do that, that's often when you experience God in a new way, just like these four fishermen did on that day. And with this fourth initiative that we call launch, can I ask you to pray with us about that? Here's how I'd ask you to do this, literally. Just take one minute each day and ask that God would guide us. You can add it to your prayer list. You can set the alarm on your phone for a certain time every day and pray for one minute. Maybe you want to take the first minute of your lunch hour. You can figure out how and when. But would you consider praying with us for one minute each day? All in. Whatever it takes. That's what we want to be at the ridge. Why? Because we have an all-in, whatever-it-takes God. Look no further than the cross. God the Father sent His one and only Son into our world to die on a cross to pay for our sins so that we could experience forgiveness, have a right relationship with Him, and have the promise that when we die, that we can spend eternity with Him in heaven. Sending your one and only Son, Jesus, to the cross is whatever it takes. And He did that because He loved us. And if you've never made that decision to accept and trust what Jesus has done for you, you can do that even now as I close us in prayer.